0: Finding out that it wasn't about science, it wasn't a science class. It was just his references to tell us that when God can, cre- if He can take a world that is dark, void, and in chaos, and make light, detail, and order out of it, what He could He do in your life? because he knew the power of sin was going to reflect the same characteristics of a of a world that was before the power of creation it was going to your life was going to have darkness and void and it was going to be chaotic and he was going to come in and be the god of light and he was going to tell you ask the 6 days for my references they'll tell you i can bring order and light into chaos and darkness Then we talked about the fall where the enemy tempted Adam and Eve with what they already had and and they were searching for beauty and they could have found the beauty in the presence of an almighty God that walked with them. And we find out that they fell prey to temptation and many people ask, why did God create the tree in the first place? It is the only way we could have self-will. We needed one rule to be disobedient or obedient to. That gives us choice. We found out that after the fall you had a garden with two people sinning and that sin became contagious. And they had children and both of them went to worship. One went to worship with all of his heart. The other went to worship out of obligation. And God tells the one named Cain that would come to worship out of obligation. He tells him, Cain, if you'll get your heart right, I'll honor your sacrifice and honor your worship. But we know the story. He didn't. And sin becomes so contagious that all of a sudden in the first few pages of the Bible, you have one brother rising up and killing another. And from that point, you find out that sin becomes not just contagious, but epidemic. And by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, you are finding out that there's a world that thinks evil continually. And now you see a man stand up in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. His name is Noah. We know him from our Bible stories. Noah and the ark, Noah in the and the flood. But the Bible says this, Noah was righteous, blameless, and he walked with God. Now that does not mean he's going to be perfect. We're going to learn that today. Because we're going to study a man named Abraham, but you've got to go through the story of Noah to really understand the power of Abraham. And we find out that God was moved to judgment by the wickedness of the world, but He was moved to mercy by the righteousness of one man. He could have wiped us all out, but because of one man's righteousness, He decides to take mercy upon mankind. And he has this man. And this is one of the things we learned last week. And if you aren't here, you're going to have to catch this point. Jesus doesn't ever do anything you could do for yourself. And you have to be a participant in this thing called faith. It's not, you can't just be an observer. Do you realize that God never told Noah to build God an ark? First of all, God wasn't going to get wet, He didn't need an ark. God says this to Noah, build for yourself an ark. And God's telling him through covenant, we we learned the power of covenant was an agreement between two people that both had responsibilities and obligation in this thing called covenant. And God said, I didn't ask you to, uh, to make the trees. I didn't ask you to put the natural resources in place, but I'm not building the first board. You're going to have to cut the trees down and build the boat to my specifications. And if you build the boat and you're obedient, and a lot of people ask me in this passage of the Bible, why did God kill everybody? He built a boat for anybody that wanted to, to get on. Amen. Only eight people got on. So, here we pick up the story of this man named Abram. And I want you to touch your neighbor and say this, because this is the gist of the sermon today. God redeems curses. What happens in the Old Testament in Christian talk, in church world language, is we call it foreshadowing. It is a moment where God takes an Old Testament story and the lives of people in the Old Testament and it becomes a mirror or a reflection of what is to come through Christ Jesus. We saw in the ark that it was a wooden vehicle of mercy and we knew that thousands of years later Jesus was going to carry a wooden vehicle of mercy called the cross up a hill to pardon us from judgment and now we find the redemption of a curse. Well, how did the curse before you even get to Abram in Genesis chapter 12? You got to back up and finish the story of Noah. See what happens is Noah gets off the ark and he enters into a brand new career. He starts growing grapes. Anybody know what grapes produce? Wine. Wine. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> the fruit of the vine well, just because you're righteous doesn't mean you're perfect. And because of somebody's irresponsibility of drinking the fruit of the vine... Now, many of you know my story. You know that I've battled, in my as a young adult, I had battles and overcome them through addictions. And that means that I did drugs and I participated in consuming alcohol in large quantities... But I have never been so drunk, I drunk myself naked. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and confess. I've been drunk before, but I've never drunk my clothes off. Noah gets so drunk, he drinks his clothes off. Now, look at your neighbor and say, that's drunk. He acts irresponsibly, he drinks, becomes so drunk, he strips off naked, passes out in his tent, and his son sees him in this position of dishonor. He has an obligation, according according to the culture, to cover the undignified position of his father, but he chooses not to, and he goes outside the tent, gathers his two other brothers, and he begins to mock his father. His name is Ham. His brothers respond correctly, take a a garment, walk backwards into the tent, drop the cover on dad that's drunk naked, and walk out without turning around and participating in his dishonor. When Noah comes to, he realizes what his son Ham, what's his name? Did, and he pronounces a curse, and the Bible reads like this. And Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and became drunk, and laid uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on their shoulders, walked backwards, and covered the nakedness of their father." And their faces were turned backwards and they did not see their father's nakedness. And when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done, he said, Cursed be Canaan. From that moment on, we have a curse in the earth. And God is going to reach 400 years into the future. And He is going to start giving us a... An analogy, a foreshadowing, a mirrored image of Christ coming to redeem the curse of sin and death. We needed a redemption from a curse. We needed the redeeming from a curse that we deserve. But God Himself sent His only begotten Son to redeem the curse of mankind and give us a redemptive start, a fresh start, being born again through the power of the gift of salvation. Can somebody say amen? You say, well, Pastor, what's this got to do with Abram? Does anybody know what, they changed his na- what God changed his name to? Abram what? Ham. Ham. Oh, man, there's that name again. And where is God going to send him? Canaan. Oh, my goodness, God's sending him to a curse to redeem it. Let's pray one more time. Father, I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to now be evident through the power of your word. And I give you praise, honor, and glory for the transformation of our lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now you pick up in Genesis chapter 12 with a man named Abram. He has no real close relationship with God. But at this moment, God is going to give a man an opportunity to cut covenant with him. And this covenant man is going to have to possess some qualities like faithfulness and faith and believe in something that he cannot see. And all of a sudden, if you read chapter 12 and you're not careful, you will think that God spoke out of thin air to a man named Abram. And he tells him, I want you to take faith. And I want you to believe in me being a God that can sustain you. And I want you to leave everything that you know of as familiar. And I want you to leave your home country. I want you to leave the streets that you know are familiar with. I know that your friends live two doors down. And you go over there and fellowship all the time. I want you to come with me and go on a journey with me. This journey of faith. And if you do this, I will make a great nation out of you. I I will bless you. Then I'll bless those that bless you. And those that oppose you, I will curse. And I will make you a blessing to all the earth. And if we read that, we will sometimes believe that this invisible voice just started to talk out of the sky. But that's not what happened. See, you get more detail when Stephen, you remember that guy that got stoned? He preached a message, a powerful message before he was stoned to death. And in that message, in Acts chapter 7, he said this, And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, but he lived before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out of your land, and from your kindred go into the land that I will show you. See, we think if you just read Genesis, that God spoke out of thin air. But if you take the detail of Stephen's account in Acts chapter 7, and you find out God Himself, the God of glory, showed up. See, that's what changes everything. Not when, when, not when you he- try to think about this invisible voice in the sky. Can you imagine going home and telling your wife, Hey, walking around today, invisible voice just started speaking. Said, Abram, I need you to leave Everything. Can you imagine me going home this week and saying, Shell, I was just driving in my truck and I heard a voice out of the air-conditioned vent. And out of that air-conditioned vent, I think it was God, and he told me that you have to move from Mila and Riley. Ooh. <laughs> she would say, Dave, we won't pack until the voice out of the air-conditioned speaks to me. But when you encounter the God of glory, He will produce a faith in you that will change everything. You will find courage you didn't think you had. You will find positions of faith that you never knew existed. It's not when you hear about God that this happens. It's when you experience Him for yourself. And I am hopeful that the bride of Christ, the church, will quit living vicariously through men and women that grace pulpits every Sunday to tell you about God and experience Him for yourself. Let this be confirmation, not revelation. I want to speak to a group of people that have been in the midnight hour hearing the God's voice. I want you to be in the presence of an almighty God that allows the encounter with the God of glory to be so evident that we don't think anything is impossible. Because Not because we're reading a Bible story, it's because we met Him for ourselves. Amen? It's cheaper when somebody else does it for you. But when you encounter the God of glory... It'll make you do things that sound crazy to everybody else. See, 16 years ago, I heard a voice from the Almighty God that said, I need you in Fort Myers. I thought He needed me in where I was presently ministering, but He was telling me, I'm fixing to change a season that is going to last for at least 16 years, because I've been here 16 years, and at that moment, He convinced a church called Covenant Community to interview me, and in that interview process, I was so committed, thinking I heard the voice of God tell me to come to Fort Myers I never even asked them how much I got paid now go home and tell that to your wife oh we're going to go somewhere we're going to Fort Myers okay who said God said how much we make I don't know because at that point it really didn't matter because I wasn't going on the authority of a paycheck I was going on the authority of a God that said I need you in a position and I need you in a place and if you get to the place I'll be your substance. Because what if, it turned out, if you add in the cost of living, they paid me less than what I was making there. But I found out that there was a God that when I showed up here that started to intervene on behalf of the the obedience of a man that was willing to take a step of faith. See, I can tell you about the stories. I can tell you about going to China. You've heard them about going to China and being in that little room where the God of glory showed up. I can tell you about men that I've been faithful with and walking with over 16 years. I can tell you about a man camp that happened last summer to where young men 30 of them stood up and become vulnerable and talked about abuse and talked about their lives and talked about rejection and watched 30 men go and lay hands on the other young men and declare the authority of God but those are just stories until you meet the God that they found fellowship with in the moment of that time it is one thing to hear the bible stories over and over and over again it's another thing when God of the bible gets real in your own life and in your you'll do things you'll be walking down Walmart and hear God say, Say, just stop and pray for somebody. And you'll stop and pray, and somebody will say, I don't know that you know this, but I was about to blow my brains out, and you showed up and declared that God knew me and knew where I was on aisle six. So God tells a man, go somewhere that he don't even know. Can you imagine, even if you get your wife convinced of it, where are we going? I don't know, he didn't tell me. We're supposed to pack and just leave. Get on 75 and just drive. Yep, that's it. (laughs) Have you ever started with faith and believed that if you just started the process that it was more than enough, your intentions, your good intentions would take over? No, ma'am, no, sir. God's not about you just starting a race. He wants to know Are you have the fortitude and the strength to finish it. He wants to know, are you going to be, pastor, this isn't a sprint. No, it's not. But he wants to know, are you going to keep running until you get to the tape? And I don't know how many of you are going to face the facts that God did not intend for you just to stumble across the thresholds of heaven and just make it. I'm not making it that way. I'm going in loud and proud. I'm going in and telling, hey I didn't deserve to be here in the first place. And if it had not been for God redeeming me and restoring my right mind, I wouldn't be here anyhow. Now I know some of you don't have the testimony that I have, but God knows where you come from and you get Use the edited version, but he knows the real version. Yeah. Abram decides to leave, convinces Sarah to go, and goes halfway. You ever got halfway somewhere? You're not too far, but you're not too close either. You're just halfway. And you ever been reminded that when you step out in faith, the enemy's always going to remind you of something that hurt back there to get you distracted? Well, somebody didn't say something to me, Pastor. You know, I went to a brother and told him to pray and he didn't even hardly shake my hand. You got the Holy Ghost in you. Take your own hand, put it on your own head and say, the God Almighty set me free. But we live in offense. Offense is a choice, by the way. Touch your neighbor and tell them that. Offense is a choice. Now, you being hurt, your feelings being hurt, that you can't help that, but you staying in the hurts, your choice. Because you know what? They walk into a town that's exactly halfway to the promise, and it's called Haran. Anybody know the name of Abraham's nephew? What is it? Lot. You know his dad's name? Haran. And if you read the story closely, you'll find out that Haran, the father of Lot, the brother of Abraham the son of Terah, died a tragic death in the arms of his father. And all of a sudden now you're halfway into the journey to promise and you get reminded of yesterday. And the enemy wants to delay you in that place. And he wants you to decide this is far enough. Just remember the good old days. Remember your brother. Remember the, the, the past. Remember what happened when God used to move at camp meeting. Remember all of this. Yes, you lived through that. Celebrate it. But there's a God that's wanting to meet you in your tomorrows. It's just as powerful as the God you left back in your yesterdays. And he gets temporarily delayed there, but he's only halfway. And then his father dies, Tara. And he goes on, and the Bible says that he encountered the Lord and he went on into Canaan. Now, here's where I have to preach for just a moment. And it's like 11.58. i got probably 10 more minutes, so if the worship team can go ahead and start getting ready. Here's the thing. Have you ever gotten to the place that you believed God wanted you to be in, and it wasn't like you had pictured in your mind? See, you think that if you just get there, it's enough. No, it's getting there and surviving. Staying long enough. You know, the average stay for a pastor is two years. I don't even know what what you can do in two years. I barely knew y'all's name in two years. I'm like, I don't even know people right now. (laughs) I've been here 16 years. I blame it on old age. I'm old now, (laughs) (laughs) that's good preaching I don't care who you are (laughs) but let me give you a hint when he gets to the spot God tells him to go to he doesn't have any children and he don't look blessed matter of fact on the surface the Canaanites are more blessed than he is because he owns no land he's just wandering around going God you told me you were going to give me this there's people here I don't have any army. Anybody got any armies back there? I, and you told me I was going to be a nation. And I don't even have kids. I'm like 90-something years old. But there's a God that is faithful. That if you get to the spot, just because you get there doesn't mean rainbows are going to break out and everything's going to be peaches and cream. Sometimes you've got to stay and have fortitude to say, God, I'm where you are. Where you told me to come, and you are obligated. God, help me preach this thing. See, we don't want to obligate God. I'm not obligating Him. He obligated Himself. He cut a covenant with a man that said my obligations and responsibilities are to do these things. I'm going to make a nation out of you. I am going to bless you. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And the world will be blessed because of you. And I'm here. And I haven't had anything happen yet. There's no lightning and no thunder. But if you stay, mm, 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 See, the Bible says this in Romans chapter eight. See, Canaan was a train wreck, and on top of it, when they get there, there's a famine. I'm going to teach just a moment here, now I'm going to get back to preaching. Don't move from promise, because it gets difficult. Because if you're motivated by pain and trying to avoid the pain instead of living in the promise, you will get something that will cause you more pain in the future. God never told him to go to Egypt. God was obligated to sustain him during the famine. But he has a habit, Abram becoming Abraham, has a habit taking things into his own hands. Remember that whole Ishmael and Isaac thing? We're going to get to that next week. He said, oh man, it's getting bad here. Let's just visit over there in Egypt. God didn't tell him to go nowhere. Because when you have to visit somewhere else you're not intended to be, sometimes your character will come into question. Because because he has to go to Egypt, he's out of the famine, but he has to lie to get there. He tells his wife, now this is a good thing. You can play something. It'll remind me to stop, baby. This, this, this is a good part. He has to tell a half-truth. And some people believe that if you tell a shred of the truth, it's the whole truth. No, it's not. It's called deception. It's as bad as a lie. So all of a sudden, he says, hey, you're beautiful. That's a fact. And because of your beauty, I know you're technically my half-sister, but you're also my wife. But let's forget about you being my wife because these men in Egypt, if they know I'm your husband, they'll kill me. And so let's just take the identity that I'm your brother. Okay. Okay. So they go, and not, you know what? Her beauty catches the eye of a man. Not any man. Pharaoh. He said, "Woo! you see new girl. New girl showed up in town, man. She, she stunned me. Go find out who she is. Who are you? I'm his, I'm his sister. Yeah, but you didn't tell him you're his wife either. Pharaoh says, okay, if you're not taken, you can be my wife. and she, He moves her to the palace. I could get really funny there, but I'll probably lose everybody. She's probably thinking, she's shouting. She's like, the glory. The promises of me leaving that tent back there, not knowing where we're going. I didn't know it was going to end up in the palace. Praise be unto the Lord. Woo! Celebrate the goodness of God. No, God has to intervene so Pharaoh won't corrupt the promise. And he has to plague the the palace of Pharaoh to where he finds out she is his wife. He returns her to Abram and says, Why didn't you tell me? But here's the thing. If you read it closely, it'll say, When he took her back, he gave Abraham livestock, male servants, and female servants. You remember who Hagar was? an Egyptian slave. He got her right then. If he had never been in the place, never experienced the lack of trust of believing God was faithful to a covenant and a famine. Because when he goes back, they're still in the famine. But he learned something. Now I'm going to preach. This young man's going to help me preach right here. Because the book of Romans says, Romans 8, 18 and 19, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. See, when you've been sent on a mission to redeem the curses, to have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, to be the ambassadors of light in darkness, you have to understand, If you, it's not about getting to the darkness. Do you have what it takes to endure it long enough to become an influence over it? Because the world is waiting, not for your present testimony of, Pastor, I'm broken and, and, and messed up and I want God to come on the scene. That's the beginning of your testimony. But if you'll stay in the redeeming, the redeeming process long enough, you'll start getting influence over darkness. And what the enemy needed, what the enemy wanted was to thwart the covenant man from getting in the land long enough that by the time you get to Moses, it's a land flowing with milk and honey and they're carrying grapes in between the shoulders of two men. Because one man would redeem a curse and go back on behalf of God, be anointed enough to stay in temporary painful positions and allow sons to be born and daughters to be raised up. Here's the message. This young man was singing today. Here's a bone. You think, man, he's got that country twang. What you didn't know is next Sunday, he will celebrate the freeing of the bondage of addiction of methamphetamine for seven years. Seven years. So when he's talking about free by the power of the blood of Jesus he is not talking about something he read about he is talking about a God that showed up in the middle of a chaotic curse and said I am God enough to be supernatural in this moment come on somebody And you thought he just had a country twang. No, he was singing about something he knew about. He wasn't talking about a sermon that he had heard podcasted out and he highlighted in his Bible. He knew a God of glory that showed up in the middle of chaos and said, here I am. You can be a covenant man too. Because I'm not asking not only what you need God to do in you. I'm asking are you willing to let him do it in you so he could use and work through you to see that's the thing you see him we celebrate oh man that's so wonderful his testimony is so great no what you don't understand is every time he gets close to somebody that is dealing with addictions darkness starts to tremble and back up and say oh my God here's somebody that has experienced this Jesus and if he ever gets the courage to tell what he did they can have freedom too what about you? Why is CityGate so messy? Because we live in a messy world. We live in a messy community. That's why that there's young men sitting up in that balcony right now that went to that motion conference. One day they're going to be a, a youth pastor. One day they're going to be a children's pastor. One day they're going to be an evangelist. One day they're going to be a pastor of a church. And you know what? One day they're going to stand up and say, that kid come from the streets. They went into a neighborhood. We're not going into a neighborhood on behalf of the authority of CityGate. That's the name on our bus. We're going with the power of the gospel inside of us anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit and they are going to hear the testimonies of people that God redeems from the curse and if he's faithful to a man named Abram what will he be faithful to you about what is it that God what promise can he not keep well pastor you don't know I'm in a famine man just stand in your promise stand in there because he's covenantly obligated. He, you, you stand still long enough and you'll find out at 99, God, I want to just shout this. I want to go pure Pentecostal today. Because at 99, an angel shows up and says, man, the time has come. Your son of promise is coming. And by the time next year, at this time, you will be holding a baby. His wife laughs. Ha! I'm married to him. But you know what? The word that was alive out of the mouth of God caused a dead man, uh, an old man's body to come alive again and the womb of an older woman to reproduce again. And what could he do if we just believe? That's why I didn't want to pray for the cross early. Because what could he do? At Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. What can the aroma of a cloth mean? I, you say, well, Pastor, can Benji get healed? Yeah, but I'm thinking that if the aroma can just walk, if we just walk down the hall, what could happen in each and every room? You guys have something to, to, to worship with? <laughs> Woo. All right, let's worship and then we'll pray. Would you stand to your feet? In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to participate in a way that is unusual. Most of the time I ask at this point in time for our ministry team to come, and then we start with salvation. And then, if you have a special need, if you need a healing, if you need, then you could come. And then, most of the time, everybody else just stays at their seat. We enter in to worship. The team keeps worshiping. And when we consider ourselves dismissed, we find our way back to our car. If you're saved or unsaved, I want you to participate. We're going to go old school. I'm going to invite everybody that's in this building to the altar. Because if you're not saved, I think you can get saved today. Right here where we stand. But I want you to participate. If you're sick, I want you to participate because we're going to pray for your healing. If you're in a crisis, if your relationship is failing, we're going to pray for you. But if you will help me anoint cloths to take to Tampa and to send to South Carolina, who knows what God may be able to do in your life while we pray for other people. So everybody that would, I'll I'll wait for you if you want to come from the balcony. But if you will get as close as you can up here to help me pray to a God that is a covenant God that could do anything, I want you to join me.